many of us in this world find ourselves searching for ways to feel more alive. We move through our lives day after day, living through the same repetitive cycles and the same stressful patterns that often leave us feeling defeated, underappreciated, or unfulfilled. But what if there were a different way to perceive life? What if out there we were able to find the keys to a happy, healthy, and fulfilling reality in the lives that we're living right here, right now? For those of us who are looking for a way to transform our lives, for those of us who are looking to fully live in this moment, to change how we feel, how we perceive the world, and awaken to a better reality so we can fully live this life. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question, are you living or are you killing time? Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. In today's episode, I'm featuring an absolutely amazing story from an amazing person for the first interview episode of 2021. Jessie Christian is joining us to tell us about her amazing journey where she rose from the depths of a troubling time in her youth to being in a rehab facility and turned it around to live a financially fulfilling life, but one that kind of left her empty in other places. From there, she had the courage to leave that situation and get healthy in a dramatic turnaround. She met the love of her life and she found herself really finding life after saying yes to an incredible opportunity to travel to India. Uh, but I'll let her tell the story because it's an amazing one and probably one of the most captivating ones I've ever featured on the show. You may have seen her on social media as Fit Free Jesse, but I would like to welcome Jesse Christian. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, your stuff is super inspiring. I mean, I think it's like the definition of what we have for people who come on the Finding Life series. Um, and I think listeners are going to really love what you have to say. And if they don't walk away inspired, they better check their pulse and see what's going <laughs> on there. Because, I mean, your story was absolutely amazing. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to put this out there. This is part, I'm sharing parts of my story that I have not really shared publicly until now. And I'm a very open person on my platforms, but there's so many parts that I really need to dive into because I know they can help so many people. I know the things that I've been through, I'm not the only person that have, has gone through those things. And so um, I'm excited to put it out there. Yeah. And this community of people who they all tend to go through similar things and we all tend to like to hear what everybody else's stories are and people who are in the, the thick of these things too, as, as well, they end up making it through some of these difficult times by hearing that there is light at the end of the tunnel and Absolutely. your story, a lot of people have seen it. it you know, you might, you're, you're just kind of getting the word out there as far as getting on podcasts like this and stuff, but your video has nearly a million hits on TikTok, which is crazy. crazy. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely an amazing story and I'll let you share it in a minute. But before we get started, I always ask everybody a very similar question um, and it's very predictable. What does it mean to live your best life according to Jesse? To me, living my best life is when I am completely free from anything that is holding me back, free from anxiety, free from depression, free from financial stress, free from anything in my life that is not serving me. And that is what I've done is I've found that freedom through the hard times and then through shifting my mindset and also 
my best life is when I'm serving others and making an impact. I've always had this desire to just make an impact. And so honestly, right now, this is my best life. <laughs> it, see, I mean, it, it, if I didn't already have some conversations with you and get to know you, I would have thought that you've been doing this for a while. It's like something that seems natural to you, but it is because you've lived it. Like that seems to be what the general theme is for a lot of people who have been through some of these really tough times and then move on to be a, a teacher, a coach, an inspirational leader to help other people go through those same things. But I mean, definitely, um, you, you know, your story is absolutely amazing. So uh, why don't you get into a little bit about, you know, what that first video really entailed and, you know, tell us about it, but then, you know, lead us into after that part of the story, what inspired you to put all of that out there? Cause that's a huge step that takes a lot of courage in itself, separate from just surviving the situation. That's one thing, but getting into actually sharing that with people and doing what you're doing now, like that's all an amazing part of your story. Absolutely. So first I want to kind of give a little background on how I got to where I was. So the story that you saw on TikTok that a bunch of you have seen is the story of my relationship where you know, I had money, but I had nothing else. And that story of how I made the choice to lose everything and built my life back up from seemingly nothing and, you know, found hope. So I want to get, let me preface that a little bit and give a little background. So growing up, I had the perfect life, quote unquote. I came from the perfect little nuclear family and, you know, the per from the outside looking in, everything was, was, was perfect. But, you know, everybody knows that's not the case. And all families have problems. Nothing is perfect. Life isn't perfect. And the standards in my family were very high to keep up appearances. And I quickly realized that I would never be able to live up to those standards. So instead of me being a perfectionist, I decided to completely go in the opposite direction. And I think that happens when you when kids are rebellious and when kids are acting out, um, I think that is a source of, well, I'm not gonna be good enough. So you know what, I'll beat you to your own game. And so you can't judge me, I'm just gonna rebel and I'm just going to go in the opposite direction. So I was very oppositional defiant and a lot of that stood, stemmed from not being, not ever feeling adequate and not feeling good enough and seeking approval and needing constant validation. And, you know, I never stopped and said, it took me 35 years to actually stop and say, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, you know, what do I think about myself? And so I had a hard time in middle school, a hard time in high school. I ended up actually Luckily, I had enough credits um, to, I basically just took a test and was able to graduate early. Um, but I, I struggled in school. I struggled. People, I was always a very outgoing person. People didn't understand that I was struggling so much on the inside because I appeared happy, but I, I had a hard time. And I went for the loser crowd and I, I made choices in relationships that were extremely unhealthy. Um, I sought out very self-sabotaging things. And so when I ended up graduating early, I grew up in a college town where it was just parties and um, I headed in the wrong direction. I mean, it, I had no direction and I didn't know who I was. I was, I was so insecure that anybody that would give me a chance and 
I was very easily influenced, even though I had it in me to be a leader, my insecurities prevented me from leading because I was just constantly seeking anybody that would validate me. Um, so things got really bad. And I got to the point where I actually had, I ran away from my parents' house and I went missing for three days. And my parents found me on a couch with a guy that was five years older and cocaine laid out in front of the table wow. at seven o'clock in the morning. Luckily they, you know, found me and uh, they said, this is out of control. You need, you need help. You need to go some, they didn't know what to do. So they found a Christian halfway house in Hawaii of all places, <laughs> Hawaii. Um, that was actually, there was a lot of other things going on there. It was very extreme. It was, um, there was some illegal activity going on there. Um, and it was very extreme. They had like exorcisms. They, they literally put me on a plane 48 hours later and said, you're going to Hawaii. You're going to get straightened out. They wanted to kind of scare me straight and to see this is where you're going to end up. So when I got to the place, um, it, there were women that were fresh out of jail, their option was to go to this halfway house and get reformed um, or, or be in jail. And they were having their children like bring in drugs. They all threatened me because they were like this 17 year old stuck up little stupid girl, <laughs> you know, um, it was, it was intense and That's it was wild. not what my parents thought at all, but they had bought me a one-way ticket and they thought that at least I would be safe for myself. Um, and I mean, that whole situation, I can go down a, a rabbit hole, but I ended up, uh, I was there for a month and I ended up being like, I can't take this anymore. This is not what you think. So I packed my bags the one night I walked to a payphone and I had, I, I called my parents and I said, you have 24 hours to get me a plane ticket home, or I'm going to go move to the North shore with this guy who is a brother of this girl that I had chaperoned her on a visit to see him. And needless to say, they had me on a plane like three hours later. <laughs> um, but that was the first time in my life whenever I realized that now looking back, that the only way that you can change and the only way that you can transform is when you're ready. Um, so I came back and my parents were like, okay, well now you've seen you know, you've seen the light, right? And no, I still hadn't dealt with any of my demons inside. I was just still seeking validation and approval from someplace. And so um, it didn't really have any impact on me. It should have, um, but it didn't. And I ended up within two months of coming back, I ended up again, getting back into drinking um, I never really got into drugs. It was just like the, the drinking was always, always an issue. And at 18 years old, I had an accident from drinking and I broke my back again. This is two months after getting back from Hawaii. My parents get a call at six o'clock in the morning and said, your daughter is being life flighted two hours away. We don't know if she'll ever walk again right now. We think she might be paralyzed. And I couldn't feel my legs because a nerve was pinched. Um, I don't really remember it because I was in so much pain. They gave me stuff to knock me out, woke up in a hospital bed. And they called me like the walking miracle at this hospital because 
obviously I am not paralyzed. And they said, it's going to be months of recovery. You may have to have a surgery. And within a month, I'm back out just doing whatever I want to do, because at this point, I feel like I'm completely invincible. Mm-hmm. And again, though, I still had, I had zero self-worth and all those things that should have really knocked some sense into me. Like I had no gratitude for anything. You know, I had no, people would ask, aren't you so grateful? Oh my gosh, look where you could be. You're so lucky. And I didn't, I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't understand. I was not self-aware of how my actions affected other people or I just felt like I was Superman. And my parents were like, well, maybe this will teach you that you're not. Well, no, what it did is it taught me there's no consequences for anything that I do. Um, So still this whole, um, at this point, I had been deemed the hot mess kid, the problem child. And I really, really though, I had no desire to change because I was already, I viewed myself so poorly at that point. So I end up moving to Philadelphia to go to school to do hair and makeup for film and television, which I really, really wanted to do that. My parents supported it. And I, um, after being in horrible relationships, always going for the bad boys with no, just people that treated me horribly Mm -hmm. and that had no ambition, I met somebody who was very charming. He was six years older than me. He, um, was an investment banker. He was Ivy League graduate. I mean, v- all kinds of degrees, very straight laced, very, you know, was going to be very successful. And he wanted to be with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, this some validation, you know, wait, so am I good enough now for, for everybody? Like, look what I did. I, you know, I am being accepted by this person. And right from the start, we were completely wrong for each other. We didn't even really like each other. We kind of liked the idea of what the other person could be maybe, but I had no self-worth. So I started trying to mold myself to be good enough to fit in his circle, which that didn't, that didn't work out too well, obviously. And I changed the way I dressed. I changed the way I acted. I mean, I was 20 years old dressing in like blazers and like preppy business clothes, trying to fit into this investment banking world that he was in. And I didn't. Um, And during that time, I became a very, very bitter, angry um, person because I had such little self-worth. The only thing that I could do is project it onto other people. So I I came off as very snobby, very stuck up, very obnoxious um, because I was thrown into this world that those were the expectations. And also I hated myself so much. So now, when, some, when people are mean, it, it completely changed my perspective. Like, I now know if somebody lashes out at me, it's not because their feelings toward me, towards me, it's their feelings towards themselves. But I ended up, um, you know, we kind of coasted along. We ended up moving to New York and getting married. And I mean, it was never a healthy relationship. There was never any, he worked all the time. And working all the time isn't a bad thing, but working should be a means to the end. And I'm a big believer that priorities are never in conflict. And so if you prioritize somebody, you, you know, show up when you say you're going to, you, you know, don't leave them hanging. You don't leave them. I spent three birthdays alone waiting for him to come home. Things like, you know, just never could rely on him for anything. And we didn't have a friendship. So we go to New York, he starts making incredible money 
And we are launched into this world of investment banking in New York City, where the goal is that you get as high as you can, as fast as you can, and money talks. And it was one of those situations where people would look at me and be like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. You have everything. You live in a high-rise apartment in the Upper East Side, and you can spend all this money and travel, and you have a big ring on your finger. And you know, any bag that you want, you can walk into a store and you can, but what people didn't understand is I had nothing. It looked like I had everything, but I was, the reason I had those things is I was trying to fill myself up with something, but I didn't have love. It's like that adage that the most, the richest people in the world are just miserable in a better part of town. Literally like, and I, I would talk to people that were in their forties and I was 22, 23 at this time. And their outlook on life, I would just be like, I, I can't, this is this can't be happening. But my parents had also, I felt like I was finally validated by my parents. And so I, I knew that I could not be a part of that, that crowd that wasn't me. And you know what, there are some people that are really, really driven by, by power and money. And honestly, that's, if that's what makes you happy, cool. But if you're not one of those people, you're going to be pretty miserable in that world. And, you know, I would, I, I got a puppy during that time and I would take her to the dog park. And there was this couple that they had no extra money. They would live in, or they lived in this studio apartment. And there was a couple that would go to the dog park and they had no extra money. They lived in the studio apartment, but they were so in love. And they, the girl would say to me, like, I'm so jealous. You have this, you have that. And I would be like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm jealous of you. You have everything. You have love. I don't even have hope. I'm 22 years old. And, you know, I would look around at everybody and be so jealous of the people that seemed to have nothing because they had hope that their, their life could get better. They had hope they could meet somebody. And there I was stuck in my apartment every single night with somebody that anytime I had a dream, he would be like, that's stupid. And, um, we went to, I decided I wanted to pursue a career in real estate and with no experience, but I'm one of those people that if I want something, I go for it. We went to dinner with my dad the one night and this kind of sums up a lot of our relationship and the attitude. It cost $250 to get my real estate license and $250 was nothing to, to us at the time. And I, I, you know, I said, hey, I, I think I'm going to pursue this real estate thing. And he said to my dad, I'm not paying for it. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And my dad goes, oh. well, I'll pay for it. And now we all look back at that and we're like, well, that was a sign that this was Red not. Flag. <laughs> yes. And, and one thing is, I think when two people are together that are wrong for each other, they can create the worst versions of themselves. And so I have no animosity towards my ex, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it brought me to where I am and showed me what real gratitude is and the meaning of life. And, um, but that was when you're with somebody that just devalues you constantly and belittles you and doesn't believe you, you know, what, what is there? There's no, it's not the grass is greener on the other side when there's no grass to water and when it's just concrete, you know? So true. And so I held on. And, um, the whole, I I ended up creating a successful career in real estate, partially because when you have those connections of people that have money, it's easier to do that. But I worked really, really hard. 
I ended up having a career in real estate for 10 years. And um, I, so it got to the point where we were living completely separate lives. Like he would never come home. I, I didn't, I couldn't count on him for every, anything. It was just so, so, so empty. And one night after, I mean, things had been bad for a while, but one night I was driving through a bad neighborhood to get home and I was in a car accident and I was hit by an ice cream truck at a, while I was at a stop sign and the car got totaled and I called my ex and we had probably been fighting or something, but I called him and I said, I, I just got in this accident. Oh my gosh. And he started yelling at me saying, what did you do to my car? Like, I'm not coming to get you figure it out yourself. Whoa. You're a mess. You're this, you're that. And I ended up calling uh, at that point. I think there's points in relationships where you just go, nope, no more. Right. I'm done. I'd, I'd say that'd be it. Like you got, hit, it. you got hit by an ice cream truck. <laughs> like <laughs> that would probably and, be the drawing line. And I mean, I was in no way, shape or form the perfect person. I was the worst version of myself at that time too. So I was not this like innocent little victim, just, you know, I was not a pleasant person to be around. I had a lot of growth to do at that point, but that was the point that I just said no more. And he would say to me, and my parents would say this too, what are you going to do without me? Like you can't survive without me. And I remember saying, I don't know what I'm going to do, but anything is better than the life that I'm living right now. And I used to wake up every day and I would wake up with all this stuff around me and fancy dinners and money to afford anything I wanted and the potential that I knew for it, how I was going to be financially comfortable for the rest of my life. But I had no hope. And when you have, when you don't have hope, you don't have anything. Mm. And I knew deep down that that was not the life I was meant to be living. And people were like, you just got, you just got married. You can't, you can't get divorced. And I was like, but why, why not? Like, I, I know, sorry, mom and dad, you paid for this wedding. And people are like, well, look what you're giving up. Like, why would you, you know, why would you do that? And I knew that something better was out there. And I knew that I had to go and find it. And I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be messy, but I knew that I could not stay another second in that life. And so I left and he said, if you leave, you're not getting anything and I will fight you for every, every dollar. And I went and consulted with lawyers and they said, Hey, we can get you money, but it's going to be years. It's going to be messy. And you know, it's, it's going to be a lot. And I just said, I just want my life back. So I don't want a dime. I just want to be free. And, um, he took everything. I mean, everything, including furniture, everything. And I was left with clothes baskets, uh, an air mattress, <laughs> my guitar, and like my laptop. And literally that was all I had to my name. I had one maxed out card that I couldn't pay off because the real estate market had crashed and I hadn't done a good job of managing my finances and mm. preparing for this. I just wanted out. So I got an apartment in Queens and under the L train across from a brothel in like a rough, oh yeah, it, like it was a rough, wow. I mean, it was a rough neighborhood and I'm, I couldn't even afford that. And I, the first night I turn on the lights and these roaches just run out everywhere. 
and I'm sitting there and I remember this feeling and I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. I'm sitting there with nothing, not a dime dollar to my name. I didn't have enough money to even go to work the next day and get on the subway. And I've never felt more gratitude and more hope in my life because for the first time I had in years, I had hope that there was this possibility of all these things. There was a possibility of finding love. There was a possibility of happiness. And at that time, I felt more wealthy than I ever had when I had six figures in my bank account. It's so amazing. I mean, it's such an awesome story because it's like you, you had to get to a clean slate and so many people would, like you said, so many people looked at you from the outside and said, look what you're giving up. And, oh my God, I would love to have the life that you're living. And I have heard so many similar stories to not so much what you've been through, but that they, that the money didn't, it wasn't everything. And it was actually the cause of the problems to, to be honest. And uh, it's amazing to hear how freeing it was for you once you actually had moved on from it, but you had nothing and you still had the gratitude though, the more gratitude that you'd ever had in your entire life. And, you know, people would look at me and be like, life is a mess. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Life is so good. Everything is wonderful. And I mean, I was a hot mess at the time. Like it was, it was a struggle. I, you know, it was, it was not good on paper. Things were really bad, but you know, that taught me so much about life is how you look at it. If you mm. choose to look at the bad, you know, I've sat on the beach in the Maldives and complained. And I've also sat in my Rochefield apartment in Queens and been grateful. And so, I mean, it, it is all of, if you look for the good, you will find the good. If you look for the negative, that is what you will find. And I just ran with that. And I worked really hard. It was messy and it was bad and it was hard. But I, that whole time, I knew that something was coming. And I actually remember, this is emotional for me because I sat there on that floor and I said, someday I'm going to tell this story because this isn't the end. And someday I'm going to tell the story of how I rose above this. And I just, I knew the life that I have right now was out there. I, I knew. And I I didn't leave because I thought there was a better person out there. I left because I wanted to love myself. And I decided I'm not going to be in another relationship or I'm not going out. I would rather be alone the rest of my life than ever settle ever again. And so a year later, I ended up getting on eHarmony and I had a couple weird dates. And so after that, I, I stopped. And one night I decided to open up my computer and there was this guy with a beer in his hand looking cute. Like, and I just said, he was at a concert or something. And I, I said, oh, I'm going to message him back. And we went on a date, uh, like after like three weeks of talking and, um, 11 years later, we are married. And, um, after that date, I, I knew within like two hours, I actually called my mom and I was like, okay, I think I met the person I'm going to marry, but like, I don't know if I'm ready for that right now. And she hung up the phone on me and said, I'm done <laughs> with this. Get your life together. Call me back when you get your life together. <laughs> and we went out on our second date the next day and the next day and the next day. Six weeks after that, he set, he got a job offer in Philadelphia and where I had originally met my ex and originally started to like, you know, seek my own life. 
And we said, we're going to make this work long distance. It's fine. We already know that, you know, this is, this is special. This is it. And he said, you know what? What if he just came with me? And I was like, I can't do that. Like, I just met you. And he was like, why not? And I was like, you know what? What is the worst that I can happen? That if I say yes, what is the worst that could happen? What? It doesn't work. And I move out. I, I, I could, I knew I could get a job there. I knew I would be closer to my family. And I said, okay, yes. And that was the first yes that I ever said that changed my life. And you'll see why saying yes is what I live by now because 11 years later, here we are. And, you know, I think when somebody meets you at your worst, it's just so different because my husband has, I mean, he has been there for me through it all and saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I remember thinking when we were first together, like, why do you believe in me so much? Like, I would have these crazy dreams to do things. And he'd be like, yes, go for it. You can do that. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can. And he'd be like, why not? Like, you're this and you're that. And when you are in a situation where somebody belittles you and where somebody you've just accepted that like you're not good enough, you almost don't understand how to deal with somebody like that. Like how, like, what do you want from me that you're like, why are you so weird? Why are you believing in me? Like, what do you, what do you want? Why are you What's being so nice? Yeah. Like, do you just pity me or what? Um, and so I think there's a lot to deal with when you have come from a situation where you don't feel good enough. Um, and it's been 11 years of really healing and working on myself. Um, and I had a lot of anxiety and depression um, to the point, I mean, which really reared its head in New York. Um, and it came out again in bits and pieces, but I would just go to a doctor and they just throw medication at me. Mm. And so with my husband, he became very aware very quickly, like, okay, you have some issues <laughs> and you have some things that we need to deal with. I love you dearly, but um, I had a lot of anxiety that had never been dealt with or even really acknowledged. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that I would have a panic attacks where I could not breathe. And I knew that the medication made me feel better, but I never really dug deep down and said, why am I feeling this way? What can I do? What actions can I take? So we kind of coasted along. It was uneventful for a while. And then I got pregnant with my daughter and I had to go off of all the medication. And I, I dealt with it okay. Not, you know, not really, but. Okay-ish. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I handled it. Um, but after my daughter was born was when I could not deny anymore that there was an issue. I had the most horrific postpartum depression and anxiety. And if my husband had not been so aware of the situation, I don't know if I would be here this day. Wow. Um, and I didn't understand what it was. I just felt like the world was caving in on me. My anxiety was so bad that I was convinced if I shut my eyes, she would die. Like she would stop breathing at night. I became like agoraphobic and could not leave my house. I was so scared. I had these visions of us, 
getting in an accident or a car driving off the road and hitting her stroller. I mean, and I knew these things were not rational, but that's the thing about mental health. You can know that they're not rational, but you, you can't get them out. And um, I went to a doctor and they just loaded me up on medications again. And I would go back and say, this isn't working. Um, and actually one of the medications, I got so dis dissociated. Uh, it was like I was standing outside of my body. Mm. And I mean, again, very lucky. My husband was so aware because there's so many side effects. So again, went back to her. She just threw me back on medications. So then I also became, it wasn't helping though. I was still, I was a mess mentally. I hit it well. And that's the other thing. People will come to me and be like, I didn't know that you ever felt like that. And I'm like, wait, really? Because I was a mess. I wouldn't leave on the days that were really bad. I would just stay in my house and make excuses. Um, and that's, I think, something that so many people, so many moms go through and nobody knows until it's too late and they suffer in silence. And I was a prisoner in my own mind. And I remember six months in just crying and saying, I just want to feel like everybody else. Like, how does the rest of the world function? I, I don't understand. And I self-medicated a lot. I began drinking way too much. We have this culture of moms and playdates. We drink the wine and it's okay. And all of a sudden it was a slippery slope. And I was drinking at two o'clock in the afternoon. My husband would come home and I was drunk. Like, and luckily I wouldn't drive or anything like that because I didn't want to leave my house. But it was it was not good. And when you self-medicate like that, you become in this cycle. So then I was anxious. So then I would take anxiety medication. I was tired. So I'd take Adderall. I mean, and whatever other cocktails that they had put me on. And it was, it was, if you, I it's, like shudder to. <laughs> it sounds, it's, it's such, it's such a, a powerful story and it's, you know, it's, it has so much emotion behind it. And the, the hardest part about it is you hear it from so many people. Like your story is unique to how you ended up there, but so many people, whether it's postpartum or not, whether other things happen, it just, it seems like you have literally just described what I hear in so many circles or whenever I have clients, the same thing happens and they just get into those cycles and it just repeats and it gets worse. And then something happens that snaps it. Something happens that breaks the cycle. Sometimes it's tragedy. Sometimes it's something else. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I, I think when you're in it, and this is why I'm so passionate about what I do now, when you're in it, you can't imagine ever getting out of it. You can't imagine feeling good. You can't imagine. And, you know, I, I lost hope again. And so it was almost like my circumstances were, were perfect. I had this wonderful husband who was working all the time as a means to the end. Um, but he was working 100 hours a week at that time, doing calls at night from home. And, um, you know, we had to deal with it because he was providing for us. And, you know, that was what he had to do. He didn't have a choice at the time. Um, but I, I did not feel any hope. And I just remembered it was just it was a dark, dark, dark time. And so many people 
I think outgoing people too are really good at hiding it. And so when I needed to put a face on, I would go and I would put my face on and I would say, hi, oh, everything's great. I would get on the phone. And so people had no idea. And it wasn't until I did get on some support groups and I, I talked to people, but I was still kind of in denial that I was one of those people at the time. And so it was really just, it was two and a half years of knowing that I had a problem, but not really believing there was any hope for me. So I'm just going to survive. I'm just going to survive and hang on by a thread and hide this as much as I can, because I don't want anybody to know about my issues. I don't want people to know, you know, that I'm a mess. <laughs> and that's what, again, oh my God, everybody's going to know that I'm, again, I was so afraid of not being okay and being judged and all those things of the validation and approval came back up again. And so 2017, my husband got this opportunity to, for us to move to India for his job. So here I am with massive anxiety, daily panic attacks, depression. I'm like, I'm not going to India. Are you kidding me? We have a child. We can't take our child to India. Like, no. And he asked for like six months and then kind of, you know, let it go. And he ended up applying for this thing. And he was like, I'm never going to get it. It's, it's, I'm too young. It's once, you know, there's so many other people going for it. And all of a sudden he's like, I got an email that I got accepted into this thing. And they're going to send our whole family there. So we can go live there. And I looked at him and I just said, you know what? What if we said, what, what else am I doing? Like, what am I doing here? Clearly this is not getting better. Something has to change. And so what if we said yes? And what if it changed everything? And so I said, yes, blindly. I've never been so scared in my life to say yes to anything, but I knew that I needed to get out of my comfort zone because the only thing left to do was shock myself into forcing myself into a situation that's so uncomfortable that you don't have another option, but to cope and to change just like I had before. I knew I could do hard things, but you have to almost be forced into that. And so we looked at each other and said, you know, also this house that we've been renovating, that's a money pit and has caused us nothing but strife and debt. The market had shot up. We're like, what if we just sold our house and moved to India? <laughs> and everyone's like, you can't do that. And we're like, why not? Like, what if we just picked up and went and we lived out of suitcases and put our stuff in storage. And so we did it. We sold our house and we moved to India. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's crazy. And it's awesome. Not a lot of people take that, that leap. Um, what, what, what transpired once you went there? And it's interesting that you did this in 2017 because there is such a, another huge coincidence and synchronicity is that so many people went through some sort of major life crisis and changeover in 2017. It's almost like everyone that I've talked to who that I've either had as a guest on the show or, or, or whatever, they have gone through that fire right around or in 2017. It's amazing. So many people, so many people, a lot of people that I've connected with too, we have these similar stories, not necessarily same stories, but our jumping off points are kind of, you know, starting around that time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it seemed to be a very transformational year for a lot of people in, in different ways. 
So um, when you got to India, so there's one thing that I want to jump back on real quick that you had oh, your yeah. story is so awesome. I'm like, just like <laughs> enthralled by what you're saying. But the one thing that you said in the very beginning of it was the only way that you can transform is when you're ready up to this point. Did, when did that come for you? I mean, you made that decision when you left the first marriage and you went like you were obviously ready for that, but it seems like from, from what I've learned about you that there was, there's a cycles that we go through in life. There's those seven year cycles. I just had an episode on it mm-hmm. a few, a few months ago. And the, the cycle that you were in when you were going through a lot of the, the, the partying and all that kind of stuff, it's usually like what they do to find themselves. And if that's what you use to relate to people, that's the circles you belonged into. It's how you loosened up. It's how you, you got people to you know interact with you. So that was your time period where you were trying to really like I wouldn't say rebel, but it really is. It's like a rebellion to find yourself. It's push away from what your parents taught you you should be. And you were doing whatever you thought it was to find an identity. But to change away from that, like you moved right from that lifestyle into this serious, heavy relationship that really pulled you along into another prescribed way of living. It was almost like not living with a parent again, but almost it was, and especially one that wasn't encouraging because there you are trying to find yourself. And when you went to go down that road, it was like, no, dead end. That's not a good idea. What are you doing? That's a dumb idea. At what point did you feel like you were actually ready to transform or has it even come up in your story yet? So at that, I knew something needed to change, but I wasn't ready to transform. I was ready to push myself out of my comfort zone and I wanted it, but I wasn't, I wasn't really, well, I didn't realize that I was ready and I didn't realize that saying yes to something so uncomfortable and so fearful was the thing that would transform me. Mm. And so we go to India after, I mean, we sold our house and then the day we're supposed to get on the plane, we find out our his work visa had been denied. It was two months of us living in limbo out of hotels because we had we didn't have a house at that point. We had to be ready to, to go. We ended up living with my parents for a month, which everything happens for a reason and so much healing went on with my family during that time. And that was the first step in my anxiety that was like, you have to let go of what you can't control. This is not in your control. And that was the first time that I was like, this is a situation. I can't change it. These are our circumstances. I have to believe that everything is going to happen as it's it's supposed to be. And I would tell myself that every single day I would tell myself, I'm not anxious. I would tell myself, I'm not depressed. I am strong. And your thoughts have so much power. Oh, yeah. And, you know, every week things would come back and it would be denied and it would be like this other crazy loopholes we had to jump through. But I really believed at that time it was preparing us for what we were about to go through. And now that I look back, those eight weeks changed how my India experience was because I needed to go through that. I needed to learn to let go of the control I needed to submit to the unknown and just trust that the universe was happening, that everything was happening for me and really experience that and get that validation of, oh my gosh, wow, look, everything worked out, but I I mended relationships with my family. We had a whole month. I had lived eight hours away from my family for so long 
because we had we we live in North Carolina and we had moved to North Carolina, and I didn't get to see them that often. And so I, I got to go through this thing where, you know, you just see this the bigger picture, and that proof is everything will work out in the end. Just like everything else, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We may not see it immediately, but like it's going to be okay. And so, sure enough, we took off for India and. So I knew India was going to be challenging, but I also knew that we were going to live in a hotel, have a driver, have a staff. And so nothing could have prepared me for the culture. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a country like that, but like it is like going into another universe. I mean, it's assault on all your senses and it's intense. And we got there and I was like, we, we were in a place for the first three weeks, we were in a place called Chennai. And um, luckily we were only there for three weeks, <laughs> uh, but it was a culture shock. And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. Um, even in the five-star hotel, you know, people, the communication was off. And I said, I can't do this. I'm going home. I can't, I can't do this. And I started to get into my head and tell myself, I can't, I can't, I can't. And for a minute, I started to believe it. And my husband was like, look, you're going to have to just deal with this. Like I have to go work and you have to take care of our child. Like we're here. You're going to be okay. You can do hard things. And so we are, we met our driver and we found out he didn't speak English. And he was like, I, I want to take your wife and your daughter around and show you or show them around. And my husband was like, awesome. He's like, so Beta Chalam is going to take you guys out and show you around India. I was like, no, no, no. I'm not leaving this place ever. And at least there was like a rooftop pool and at least we had, you know, safe and it was nice on the inside. And he was like, look, you have a choice right now. You can either use this time to change yourself and do like use this as an opportunity or you can sit and just do what you've always done. And I made a choice three days in. I said, I'm going to just jump just like I have with this. I made this decision. I'm here. And so we got in the car with him. I I couldn't understand. He couldn't understand me. My, my three-year-old though, immediately had this connection with him and they were able to like communicate in this really crazy way. And so he said, I'm going to take you to my village. And so, and mind you, so this, this driver was employed by my husband's company. It's very safe. It's not like I'm just going off with random people in India. Um, And so he took us to his village and he started showing us around. And all of a sudden we were transformed into this, or or like to this different world of, I mean, we had never experienced any of this. And all of a sudden you just see, it's like my world that day opened up and he said, you know, can we keep going? And so we went to a museum and there were school children. So my daughter's blonde hair, blue eyed little girl in India, hordes of school t- children. I'm going to actually start posting some of these videos on my Instagram so people can actually go and look at the, the, the videos and pictures from what I'm talking about. But it chased us down and he carried my daughter through the crowds and we went and we met the people would just come up to us and want to touch us and talk to us and I mean, that's a situation that I should have had a panic attack in, but I didn't. And that was the first time I was like, 
I am in control of my life. I can do this. Wait a minute. I'm still here. And all of a sudden, this has been the most enlightening day of my life. So to end the day, he took us um, past this village where it had been wiped out by a tsunami, um, the 2004 tsunami. Um, and he was like, in his in his broken English, he explained that it was, they got wiped out, but three days later, they were back on their feet and they were back to living how they were. And you see all these people that seemingly have nothing. They don't have shoes on their feet. They, you know, they, they probably wear the same clothes every day. They have, you know, dirt floors and they're happy and they're friendly and they have smiles on their faces. And here I am scared to get into a car with somebody scared of these unknown. And all of a sudden I, I can't, it was one of those moments in my life that I'm like, the whole world opened up. And I was like, this is going to be, I, I decided in that second that I was going to take the privilege of the time that I had and say yes again, say yes to everything. And that's what we did the rest of the time in India. And we ended up, so three weeks into it, the monsoons came. And um, so they have flooding there, which I mean, the Indians handle it very well. They're like the most resilient, incredible people ever. Americans do not. <laughs> and so the monsoons came the, the waters are rising and they're like, so transformers started exploding in the neighborhoods, like and shaking our building. We're looking out the window and they're like, don't worry, we have 48 hours of power and water. And we were like, well, what do you do after that? They're like, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. And I am like, so I freak out. I'm like, we have a child, like worst case scenario, again, got into my head. And I was talking to my husband about going on here. And my husband said, when you talk about India, make sure you talk about that freak out. Because I, again, let myself get into my own head and I lost my mind. Everything went black. The, the panic attacks came back. I couldn't breathe. I was paralyzed. And they said, you have two hours to pack up your stuff. We're sending uh, an SUV to come rescue you from these waters when they received, because they knew there was going to be a pause in the rain. Packed our whole apartment up. Luckily, we only had like four suitcases worth of stuff and prepared to leave to go to our next destination, which was Bangalore. They were going to let us there early. Uh, there was no room in the car for my daughter's car seat. So it was either, and again, me, anxiety mom that couldn't like let my kids, couldn't shut her eyes because <laughs> I was so so worried. They're like, you can either be stuck in this flood or you can, in India, nobody uses car seats or you can get in and we're going to take you. It was an eight hour drive to Bangalore. But we got to drive through these villages and these places and see these incredible, this incredible landscape and these people that I would have never been able to see. So they drove us through these floodwaters. They were like up over the, the doors. We got out. We're wow. fine. Again, though, that was another moment that I'm like, we're all okay. Everything's fine. Look, your anxieties, that was worst case scenario. And you're still here. Yeah. You are good. Each thing that happens when you get that is those experiences are empowering because it validates you that you can do hard things. And so the rest of the time in India, I just continued to 
jump in and say, yes, we met the most incredible people that people that we still have really close relationships with to this day. We traveled the world. We, um, went to the jungle and the backwaters of, well, right above Kerala. Um, it's called the Kabini. And this place was 60 kilometers from civilization. And again, start getting in my like negative mindset and anxiety because what happens if something happens here, there's no hospitals. And my husband got very frustrated with me one day and he said, you need to, you need to go take some time and you need to let go. You need to go, just go do something. And I got on a bike and I rode by myself into this village and I have videos of it because it's still like, it plays like a movie in my head. There were kids running alongside my bike, you know, and going to this village that it's miles away from like electricity or internet or anything. And everybody works at this resort that we were staying at. And I went and I ended up biking out to this clearing and there were people washing their clothes in the river and the kids running around. And in the, it was one of those, I, that was the moment that my transformation began. That was the moment I didn't realize that the whole weight loss, the, the whole, I thought my transformation started, you know, when I decided to get healthy, but that was the second that I just knew that ever, I can't explain it. You know, you have those moments in your life. It was such a spiritual awakening and it was the universe just telling me like, you're good. You're going to be okay. You're exactly where you were meant to be and just affirming everything. And so we traveled again for, uh, we traveled after his job experience was done. We traveled and had amazing experiences and came back to the U.S. But when I came back, I had changed so much. I mean, something like that transforms you, but everybody else was the same. And so again, I'm like, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? What do I do? Where do I go from now? And I started falling back into those bad habits and that bad cycle again. So how long were you, how, what, like around what time frame did you come back? So we came back in February of 2018 or yeah, 2018. And we sold our house in August. So, um, his assignment was three and a half months. And then we traveled a lot of that other time. And so like we went to Dubai and the Maldives. And again, we just said yes to everything. Cause we had sold our house and we're like once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was February, 2018 and I was lost again. And I, I didn't, I didn't know where to go. All of a sudden I was, I found myself self-medicating again. I had actually got off of medication. I started weaning off of medication in India because after that moment and that enlightening moment, I was like, wow, I am really controlled by a lot of things in my life. And one of those things was, what if I run out of medication and we're in India? And I said, uh, you know what? I'm going to take control. And I weaned off of, um, Klonopin is what I was on at the time and which was <laughs> horrific two weeks, but I did it and I got off of it. But when we got back, I ended up starting to get on meds again because that's all I knew. And that was a, a coping thing. But this time it was different. This time I knew 
that I was capable of anything. Mm -hmm. This time I knew there was a whole world out there. Look at these people do hard things and you can get through floods in India. You can get through, you can get through anything. And I decided my anxiety was really, really bad. And I just wanted to feel better. And I said, you know what, if I can change my mindset and get through all these things in my life, I can fix myself. So I was really, really overweight at the time. For me, I was, you know, I, and I felt so terrible every day. I mean, I was having daily panic attacks at this point. And so I went and, and by the way, in India, when you, if you look at my pictures that I posted on my personal page, I depicted this very carefree, glamorous time there of no worries. I didn't post any of the bad, which is such a reminder of real life versus Instagram, you have no idea what's going on in somebody's life because yeah. all my pictures looked amazing. There was no mention of panic attacks or, you know, the real struggles. Um, but when we got back, I just said, I am willing. This is when I talk about you have to be ready. You have to be ready that you hit that rock bottom. Not the worst I'd ever been on paper, but that point where I was like, I cannot live another day feeling like this. I am willing to do whatever it takes. He's like, cause you knew where the road went from there. You knew that if you let it kept going in that direction, that's where it was going to go. And you didn't need to feel that pain again. You had already grown from that pain. You had already been there. So it was just something that, that was your catalyst. Like that's what lit the fire and led to where you are. Yeah. So I, it was, May 1st, 2018. And I made a decision that morning that I was done. I decided I told myself that day, you are not an anxious person. You are in control. You are a fit person. Even though I could barely walk around the block at the time, you are fit. You are not depressed. You are happy. You, you can do anything that you put your mind to. You got this. And that was the day I had, I had researched and I had found that, um, well, I wanted to lose weight. And so I started keto and then I started researching and finding out that it could actually really help anxiety and depression. And I was like, if there is even a chance that this can work, I am go, I'm going to do it. And I just dove in. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't tell anybody except my husband because I had started and stopped so many things in my life. I was a person that was like, I would make these declarations rather than goals. I would just be like, I'm going to be fit for the rest of my life, or I am going to never eat a carb, or I'm going to lose weight. I never broke it down. And so anytime I said I was going to do anything, people are like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so this time I didn't tell anybody. And I just, I just started. And there was a fire in me because I was ready. I was not driven by weight. I, I mean, I wanted to lose weight. But it was more than that. I wanted to be free. I wanted to feel what it felt like to feel good. And I was ready. And so within 30 days, it was like a cloud had lifted off my head. And I just started to notice I was more in control of my thoughts. And I hadn't lost that much weight at that, at that point. But it was enough to be like, wait a minute is this what other people feel like all the time? Like, is this a taste of what it feels like? And I called my mom and I was like, is this what everybody else feels like? Because like, this is, this is crazy. Um, I ended up starting to get off medication 
because I, my, my panic attacks got lower. I still had anxiety, but like it was, it was more manageable and I just kept going. So within three months I lost 30 pounds. Wow. But honestly, at that point, if the scale had never moved, I felt so good mentally that there was no, there was no going back. And I started just telling myself every day, you are a fit person. You are, you know, I convinced myself that I was the person that I am now before I, the transformation had ever happened. I envisioned myself of who I wanted to be. And I started controlling my thoughts and I started controlling my choices and realizing I am in control. Everything in my life is my fault. Yes, mental health is very real, but you have the power to do all of the things that you can do to control those variables and at least make it give yourself a running chance, right? Like a fighting chance because, you know, if you just say, oh, well, I'm just going to keep drinking every day or I'm just going to eat whatever I want. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to move my body. Well, oh, my hormones are bad. This is the like you have to give yourself a fighting chance. And I just, I kept going. So, um, you felt then, it forward. Like that was, that's one of the biggest keys in the, of transforming everything and changing that default programming, that subconscious, whatever you want to call it, just did an episode about the secrets of belief. And it's that if you can build a narrative, that's what can change that subconscious belief. But you, you just described literally the recipe to a T without, I don't even know if you realize it or not, but you feel it forward. And often that, that comes to you, whether you want to get deep into the woo woo stuff of like attracts like, and, and whatever happens with those things, but you just totally described exactly how this recipe is supposed to go and how people describe it happens. And it's exactly what happened for you. It's just how many times do people have to repeat the experiment and have it work out a certain way for more people to realize like this, this is how it's done. Absolutely. And it sounds so simple. But it really is. It really is. And it's, it sounds almost silly when you think about like, like I, with my clients, I always do like daily affirmations and it sounds silly when you first start doing it, but Mm -hmm. then you realize, oh my gosh, wait a minute. I am strong. I am, you know, I am in control of my thoughts. I'm in control of my choices. You know, everything is in my power. It's it, you really start to believe it. And I think we make excuses for ourselves and I, I want to be very careful to make sure that everybody knows that I <laughs> mental health is a very, very real thing. Medication mm. can be a very powerful tool. I am not against medication in any way. However, I think it is overused and the the tool of mindset and the tool of food and the, the tool of giving somebody their power back is something that needs to also be incorporated with all that. And one doc, not one doctor ever said to me, uh, what, what's your lifestyle? Like, like, how are you eating? Um, Oh, you're, you're eating like nothing but pasta and you're not moving your body. Oh, and you're drinking. I'm sure I lied about my drinking. Like I didn't, I'm sure I didn't, you know, tell the, the doctor how bad it really was, but you know, all that stuff, it matters. And all that stuff plays a very big role in our gut health. And, but the story that we tell ourselves becomes our reality and that's what we attract. So if we're sitting there saying, Oh my gosh, my hormones, I have PCOS, which that was always my excuse. 
I just, I can't help it. You know, this is just, that's the story and that's what's going to happen. And you're just going to be stuck. But if you tell yourself, wait a minute, I think it's getting better. Eventually you continue to do those things and you manifest that and you start to attract people around you that are in that headed in that same direction. And yeah, I think it's all, it's all connected. And, you know, I don't know if you want to get into the the religion part of it or not, but that's something that I really struggled with because my parents were, my mom's super religious and, mm-hmm. you know, I've gone back and forth with, you know, finding my own spirituality and being like, but, you know, Christianity is the only way, which if that's your faith and that's what you found and that's your salvation, that's incredible. Mm. But for me, I have found this higher power and this elevated sense of being. And especially after traveling so much, you know, you find, I mean, in India, we've been in Hindu temples and all this place where there's so many religions that you can take bits and pieces from. Mm. And the religions that embody the being in control and being aware of yourself and getting out of your own ego mm-hmm. and and attraction and all of that, that is what I really resonate with. And that the universe is always like everything is aligning exactly how it's supposed to all the time. Mm-hmm. The ego, E-G-O, edging God out. It's and even the word God, it, like it has the, those connotations for me of religion, you know, the higher power universe, whatever you want to call it. If you want to call it God, it's the same thing. I just, what got me with religion and how I find that word of God so limiting is because they picture the guy in the white, you know, in the white clouds with the long white beard. And I feel like that God, that version of God that often pops up in organized religion is so limited as to what I think of as, as the universe. I mean, back when that concept of a God was created, we, we didn't even know that there were other planets really, Never mind like how vast the universe really was. We only discovered that in the last 15 years or so once we put, you know, telescopes into orbit. And when you think about how vast it is, it's like the concept of it, it just, and using the word God is, is just, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but using the word, using that word is, um, I often find limiting and that all goes down into organized religions. And I know you and I had, we had exchanged, uh, emails and talked before, and you had looked at some of the spirituality of, of, of omnism. And that's what I recently identified with. I'm like, wow, that's actually a thing. You know, like I've had this concept for so long because I love parts of Hinduism. I love parts of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I love parts of Judaism, you know, and so on. Like there's so many little bits and pieces that I love their portion of. And I'm like, wow, I wish I could be, you know, just, just Buddhist, but I also like parts of Christianity and the story that's behind everything. And it's like, wait, you can, you can do them all. There is, there's no rules that say you have to follow one prescribed religion at all. hundred percent. And when you start exploring and being in India really opened my eyes up to the fact that, I mean, they're one of their, their gods is a savior born on December 25th. And, you know, it's not all that different. All a lot of it is very, very similar. It's a similar message. It's just different interpretations. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that all of the the missions and all the stories are exactly what we should be following. It's just that 
I I like to explore and I'm constantly learning more about it and mm-hmm. exploring what I believe. And that's been something though that's been really difficult for me to kind of again needing to seek that validation and approval. Um, you know, that to to kind of go against what my family believes, you know, and it's not even going against it. It's just kind of exploring and defining my, myself, Mm -hmm. but that's a whole other thing. And I always say that, you know, the, of, of my transformation, the first year I, I lost weight and I transformed physically since then the last year and a half has been about this transformation inside Mm. and exploring and coming into my own and finding myself and not apologizing for who I am or what I want. And for the first time saying, I don't care what you think about me. Do I like me? (laughs) And really believing that, you know, and being able to say, I mean, it's scary that I'm even stating this out loud now, knowing that my mom's going to be like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think when when she says that (laughs) that's that's what she believes? But you know what? Like, sorry, (laughs) like that, this is me. And I think you have to get to a point with everything. And I think spirituality is very important. Having a faith in something is very important when you're coming into your own and Mm. you're accepting everything that's been thrown at you in life. And as a parent, every parent should want their kid to be as happy as they possibly can be with who they are. And they shouldn't want anything that they had for their life, for their kid's life. It's their own life. And I think most parents eventually get there. I think sometimes it's difficult to think, oh, our children aren't, aren't like me. They're not following the family path and, you know, things that we, we heavily believe in, but it's like with with my own kid, I, I talk about some religious stuff with him, but by no, by all means, if down the road, he wants to become Christian, I'm not going to look down on him at all. It's like Christianity in the Bible. I've heard people call certain spiritual, spiritual concepts and self-help concepts BS. And I have a real hard time with that. Cause it's like, if it helps one single person, there's no way it's BS. And if you resonate right. with it, if it makes you feel more whole in life, then who is anyone to say it's right or wrong? I just, in my own personal beliefs, I feel there's limiting factors and myself, everybody else I encounter, I want them to realize how absolutely unlimited they are because so so many of us live in those dark, limited places where either someone or something and experience in our life has held us down and held us back. And really the only thing that is the true controller of that situation is us. And too many times we don't ever find that out or it takes a really long time. A hundred percent. And I think it's an ongoing process and it's an ongoing thing that, you know, new information comes in and I discover more things. It's just, it's something that I'm exploring Mm -hmm. and I'm really open to. And so it's, it's an ongoing, you know, maybe next year I'll, I'll change my views. And that's the really cool thing. And that's something that I always preach to people to give themselves permission to change their minds, give themselves mm-hmm. permission to when new information comes in to be open to it. And when you, you know, it's okay to take that new information and then shift your perspective. It's it's okay. And I think that's something that's hard because I think we get into these, we put ourselves in these boxes and we're really scared to speak out and say, you know what, I've, I've learned new information. And so now this is how I feel. And this is what I think or an experience changed me and this is this is what I want. And 
I think so in the last year and a half, what has really happened? So I, I ended up, how I ended up in this whole career that I ended up in, I I had never really put myself out there. I knew I had a story, but I was terrified to talk about it. I mean, I still held a lot, held a lot of shame around things and honestly, I was like, who's going to listen to me? <laughs> like, you know, who's so I just put myself out there and I started this Instagram. I didn't tell anybody and I just started sharing and my hope was that people would feel that there was hope for both putting themselves out there and share how powerful their story is, but also there was hope for their mental health, especially um, that you can rise up from anything. And, um, but I was very, very censored for a long time, but you know, all of a sudden people started discovering <laughs> my page and, and that's how it's, you know, it, it exploded. But the message that I have always wanted to stay consistent with though, is that you have to love yourself first. You have to be, consistent in before anybody else can make an impact on you or before you can make an impact or make a change, you have to decide what you want. And so no, nobody's ever going to always approve of you. There's always going to be people that don't like you. There's always going to be people that don't agree with you. And so when it comes to religion, when it comes to making a choice about a business direction, you have to decide what is it that you want? You know, what makes you happy? And I think that that goes for everything from you know, business to religion, to the partner that we choose mm -hmm. and, and everything. And I think one of the overall messages that I don't even, I'm not even sure if you realize you've delivered it, maybe you have, but your entire story has had basically the perspective of the overview after you have experienced different polarities in your life. Like when you talk, we talked about the, um, the seven hermetic principles uh, a few months back and one of them is a lot of it is just duality and polarity. And, you know, in your life, you had the polarity of an organized religion, and then you've got the other polarity of a wide open mind toward whatever comes up that resonates with you. But having both of those, those aspects of a polarity of each other, then gives you this perspective of both of them put together. And it was the same with your relationship. How how much would you have appreciated the man that you have found now if you didn't experience what you had gone through in the past? It was it was painful at the time, but it was all so worth it because you're able to experience what it is now. And it's the same with your trip to India. Like you 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 appreciate all of the experiences because you get to see the perspective of the overview of all the polarities, and your story is just filled with those examples. 100%. And that's, that's the message that I want to deliver to people is that life is always happening for you. You may not know, 
you know, you may not know tomorrow. You may not know a month from now. You may not know it may be years from now, but someday you will look back on all the worst days of your life and understand exactly why they happened and they will make sense. And people are always like, do you regret any of the things that you've done or the choices that you've made? Are, are you kidding me? Like, no, like would, if you could go back, would you not, you know, marry your ex? No, I would not change a single thing because all of the things made me exactly who I am and led me to this life that I have. And I have, you know, yes, I have a husband that I appreciate that, you know, and it's, it's been 11 years. Marriage is hard, but we also know that we have grass to water. And we also know, you know, that sometimes we're ready to strangle each other and we sometimes we drive each other crazy. But at the end of the day, I know he's willing to fight for. I know he's willing, you know, I've had to do a lot of work on myself. And I, you know, I'm not a perfect human. <laughs> and I've had to, but I also was willing to change, not change for him, but I was willing to work on the things that I needed to do to improve myself to be a better person because I appreciated all of the things. And I, I continue to do it because I appreciate him and I know how valuable what we have is. And honestly, like he's the best, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's everything in life. I wouldn't have been prepared for it if I, anything that I've gone through. And now my whole mission is to give others hope that felt dark, like I did, or that are in a relationship where they're like, I know that this is not my life. This, there is something else out there, but like, I can't leave you know, I'm not going to have any money. And I, I've talked to so many people since that story went viral and they're like, but this is my situation. I will agree that kids make it a little bit more challenging, mm -hmm. but still, still you can do it. And if you wake up every day and you are like, this isn't my life, not, oh my God, I got in a fight with my husband. I want to leave. I'm talking about like, <laughs> if you wake up every single day and you know that there is more and you are unhappy and you're you, you want more, you have to go for, through it and it's going to be messy and it's going to be hard, but that is what will lead you to exactly where you're meant to be and everything. And I'm grateful for the postpartum depression and anxiety because it gives me such an appreciation and gratitude for what I feel now mm. and that feeling of freedom. And I'm able to help other people, which I've always been very driven by making an impact. That's been, since I was little, I have always been, I mean, I've never really been financially motivated. I know that there's times my husband wishes that I was more like when we, he has a very, very good job now, but there were times that in our life that he wishes I was a little bit more like motivated by money. I've never been motivated by like attention or power. I am motivated by I want to leave people better than I found them. Hmm. I want people to walk away and say, she made me feel so good. Wow. She made me, she empowered me. And that is how I measure my success. That is how I measure if, if I'm doing well in life or not, how many people am I having impact on? And I feel like I am, I was listening to one of your other podcasts and you were talking about how the people that have gone through hard times are now in 2020 ready to bring other people. And I have never felt that so hard in my, like 2020 has been one of the best years <laughs> ever for me because I mean, compared to what I've gone through, like 2020 is nothing. Like I'm here for people and that's why my business has exploded and everything that I've done. It's, it's led me here to be where I'm supposed to be. And 
every single thing in your life. Those dark, dark days. And the, the cool thing about rock bottom is like, you can only go up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Gandhi said, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. And it sounds like it's exactly what you've done. And a lot of people who go down that road, they don't do it for any particular amounts of money or even making a career out of it. They just do it for the pure fact of it helps them find meaning and purpose to help other people through some of their darkest times. Because a lot of us who went through some of these fires, especially like everything that you've described, I've gone through similar stories as well. Like all the stuff that you've described, I've got a version of it. So many other people do. They wish they had that person there. And in those times you searched for that, likely you were looking for that person, that story, that, that inspirational podcast, whatever it was to help you through those times. And I just remember some of those feelings. Like I never, I never knew where to turn. I didn't have a person in my life to help me through some of those times and the solace to know that you might be that for someone somewhere is one of the greatest feelings I think you can ever have in your life. Next to maybe being a parent, it's probably one of the greatest feelings you can have in life. It is, it is, it is. And I, um, it makes me very emotional because like I said, I've always said like, I'm going to use my story someday and I'm going to help bring other, other people through. And like, I, I feel like that's why I went through it. And, you know, I wish I could go and tell myself 10 years ago, like, this is all going to be worth it. This is all going to be worth it because this is setting you up for something that you don't even know. And in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that Mm -hmm. weirdly, but like every single person has that inside of them. Every single person has what I did inside of them. And people will say, I wish I had your motivation. I wish I had your discipline. Do you think I just like woke up with that discipline? And I'm literally the least disciplined person, the least motivated person naturally that you'll ever. But I stopped telling myself the story of I'm just not disciplined. I'm just this. I'm just Mm -hmm. too much of a failure, whatever. And I changed the belief in myself. And every single person has me in them. Like every single person has the power with one thought, with one choice to say, nope. I'm done. Like I did on May 1st, 2018, we're going to do this and to step into their greatness. And I always say like, when you, you don't realize what you're giving up when you give up on yourself, you don't realize what you're giving up. You're giving up the possibility of a completely different life that you don't even know is out there. I mean, my life is like, if you would have asked me even three years ago, would, would I be a fitness and health and mindset coach? No. <laughs> and I mean, if I hadn't done that, I, I found where my calling and where I'm meant to be. And you have to move forward into your own greatness and not be scared of also stepping into your greatness and stepping into your power, which is really, really scary to do mm-hmm. when you put yourself out there. Because what if people are like, oh, no, I don't want that, <laughs> you know? I know all too well exactly what you're talking about because it took me, I don't know how many months of doing this podcast and doing this show, just like you were talking about, did it in silence. I kind of made it, I kind of made the social media things, but didn't tell anybody in my personal circles. And then it started to gain its own speed. And then before I knew it, it kind of grew too far beyond what I could kind of not put out there, but it took a long process to step to, to realize that I had to either walk away from it completely or fully step into it, like pick one road or the other. 
Um, and it's, I totally, I totally resonate with exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And, and I think everybody that's in a position like this experiences that because I remember even whenever the first person that asked if I was a coach, I was like, no, <laughs> they're like, well, can you help me? I was like, okay. And I, I started doing it for all these people. And my husband's like, you have to charge some money from this. You're doing this 24 hours a day. And I'm like, nobody's going to pay me. And I charged the first person like $40 for the month. And she said, yes. Oh, yes. I actually would feel better about that. So I don't feel like I'm taking from you. I was like, okay. And, but I, I think we all are just so nervous to take that leap and put ourselves out there. But once you do, and you get in the habit of that, you start asking for more. And one of the things that I have been talking to, so I run a team now of people with the company that I'm with, that the products that I use, I run a team and I have a lot of people that come in and they're, they're scared and like I was, and they're muting themselves and they're censoring themselves like I did for a really long time. And they're apologizing. One of the things that I have started to say is what would you do if you knew the answer would be yes? What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? What would you do if you knew nobody would judge you? Who would you be? What would you ask for? Like, what would you pursue? What would you try? Like, put your head down and do that. And that's what I've been trying to live more by, especially this year, because I think this year has made us all realize, like, look, life is short. We don't know what's coming. And nothing really matters. But if you're at the end is if you're happy with yourself and your your partners and your relationships and everything, because at the end of the day, we're all going to be locked down with each other, you know, yeah. and I, I think that, you know, just having that outlook of just going for it and not apologizing. I'm still working on it. <laughs> I'm glad you did step out and get into this world of doing all these things and inspiring others because your story has been fantastic. And I could talk to you for hours, could absolutely talk to you for hours and hear these stories. I mean, this is, it's been such an amazing conversation. Um, so before we do wrap everything up, where can people find you? What sort of things do you have going on? And what sort of people are you looking to connect with? So uh, the best way to connect with me is through my Instagram, which is fit free, fit free Jesse, uh, Jesse with an I. And that is where I have all my information about how to contact me. Um, I'm currently, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, but my spots for that are very limited. And then I also run coaching groups through the product and the ketones that I use. Um, so I do keto, uh, low carb. That's kind of what I follow. And that's kind of what I coach. It's my specialty to coach people on because I really focus on the brain health of everything. Um, but the ketones that I use, um, they allow me to get to the therapeutic ketone levels. And so I'm a big proponent for them of helping. They've been so transformative with my anxiety and depression and they help people feel good. So that's the product that I, I use and I run coaching groups with those. So if you're ready to feel better or you just want to see what it feels like to feel good and get a taste of that and have that feeling to run towards, then it's something that you should definitely try and we can always discuss and see where you fit in best. But, um, I work, my whole goal is to work with people, meet them where they're at, especially it's too, it's 2020, man. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be ready to optimize. You just have to be ready to take a step in the right direction. And so, you know, I am no judgment. You can I'm open book and, um, yeah, reach out for any, any questions and anything that you want to chat about and, I want to see how I can help.
Okay, so we're actually we'll include all of the information on how to contact you in the show notes so that when people are are looking to try to find you on Instagram and also try and find you on TikTok, find that that viral video that's probably gonna be over a million by the time we uh we're done with this conversation. <laughs> but we'll um we'll we'll include all the information in the show notes so that you can connect to Jesse at some point. Um, Jesse, this has been an amazing conversation, like hands down, one of the best conversations on all this stuff that I've ever had. Never mind my own show, of all the other shows I've been on and everything else. It has been an amazing conversation. And I appreciate your your story is um, you know, it's really, it's really inspiring. I mean, I've heard a lot of them, but yours is is just amazing and you've got a voice and I'm glad you found it and I'm glad you're out there making an impact in the world. And I know you're just getting started and I cannot wait to see what comes of everything that you're just getting fired up to go and do for the world. Thank you so much for having me. This has been incredible. I appreciate all of you for listening and thank you from the bottom of my heart. And a huge thanks to you, Jesse, for sharing your journey, having the courage to step into this amazing role. And I really can't wait to see what sort of things she's going to accomplish in the near future. We're already talking about when we can get her back on the show again to talk about some of the amazing health knowledge that she has about the ketones products that she used to transform her health journey and the things that she's done to change so many other people's lives so far, including my own. Um, I've taken some of her advice and the products already, and I'm already seeing amazing results and I'm not even diving deep into it. So very much looking forward to having her on again in the near future. Also check out the links in the show notes. I put the link to the video that put her on the map for me and so many through TikTok. Uh, And follow her on social media. Keep an eye out for her in the future. I have a feeling we're gonna be seeing so much more of her coming up. And if you have an amazing story that you'd like to share on the air that can inspire or uplift others in the Live This Life community, hit me up and maybe we can get you on an episode of the show. You can reach me at connect at livethislife.org. That's C-O-N-N-E-C-T at livethislife.org. You can message me on social media through TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can book a concept call for an episode through the show's Calendly page. You can find that at calendly.com forward slash livethislife. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com forward slash livethislife. Until next time, keep finding life, keep living.